Today is Friday, April 23rd, 2021. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Gandhi. You're listening to episode 239, Let Your Soul Guide You, with Michelle Warnica. Well, one of the things that they're not talking about in mainstream media is the fact that the earth, the the frequent, we're all energy, everything's energy and everything's a frequency. So I'm a frequency, uh, I vibrate at some frequency level, you vibrate at a different, whatever your frequency is. And um, the earth is a frequency as well. And the earth is actually raising in frequency. And you can go, you can Google uh, the Schumann resonance, resonance, and it measures, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, Schumann yeah. resonance. It measures- It's been going crazy lately. <laughs> the frequency of the planet, and it's actually used to be around 10 to 15. Now it's up to like 45. Like the, oh, wow. the frequency of the planet is raised dramatically. And so what that means is that we are shifting into higher frequencies. Our mm. bodies are changing. And the way that we interact with changing, that's why so many people now are becoming more intuitive and becoming more conscious because their vibration is raising. This is the Dance of Life. My name is Tudor Alexander, and we are going to go on a journey to hack your mind, body, and soul for living your best life yet. Tune in every week to learn something new, grow, and get inspired as we discover the secrets of success and practice the art of fulfillment. And if it's one thing I hope you learn from today, it's that your life is a dance. And just like any dance, you can learn to dance it well. What's up, everybody? Hope you're having an awesome Friday. Thanks so much for being here and spending a little bit of it with me. Today, my guest is a soul-guided business coach. Her name is Michelle Warnica, and she helps spiritual beings clarify how to share their God-given gifts with the world and get paid to do it and co-create with the divine by using proven business strategies. She's also the organizer of Beautiful Business, Beautiful Life, a group dedicated to inspire, support, and guide conscious women who are committed to their personal development, spiritual growth, and transformation. Michelle also hosts the Soul Guided Entrepreneurs. It's a Facebook group with resources to help you learn to get paid to do what you love. Today, we're going to talk about soul-driven business, crystals, how to find your purpose, how to overcome self-doubt, how to use energy principles from spirituality in the world and in your business. It's really interesting. You know, we're going to have a really cool chat. I'm really excited to share this interview with you. Michelle's been an energy worker and healer for many, many years. And she's helped so many people incorporate these principles into their life and business in a very unique way. You know, we're entering a new age of thought, of doing business, of economy. And that new age is going to be driven on authenticity. It's going to be heart-driven. So there's going to be different rules of the game. So I'm very excited to share that idea with you. If you want to go check out Michelle's group for Soul Guided Entrepreneurs, it's at Facebook. You just look up Soul Guided Entrepreneur. I'll put the link for it in the show notes for this episode. This is episode 239. So make sure you subscribe, share it with your friends, 
anybody who needs to hear this message today, I appreciate you for being here. Thank you so much. And away we go. Let your soul guide you with Michelle Warnica. Okay, cool. So I um, joined, I did a lot of healing. I was very, I don't want to say sick. I had a lot of physical symptoms of emotional things that I was, you know, going through. And um, I, I really started to learn a lot about healing through healing myself. And then I ended up, um, I booked a trip to Thailand at the beginning of 2019. It was through, at the time I had a business where I was helping um, other coaches. I was working with other coaches and she was having a retreat in Thailand and it was on my birthday in October. And I always like to go away on my birthday. When's your birthday in October? October 24th. Oh, okay. I'm on the 6th. So. Oh, okay. Well, I get along. (laughs) I have a lot of leavers in my family. And um, so I was like, Oh, it's on my birthday and I have 10 months to pay for it. So I'm going to sign up. And I went to Thailand. And by the time I got to Thailand, I was in a lot of emotional pain. I was going through a huge expansion and I was in a healer mentorship program. And I told the, um, my intention when I got there was to leave, leave whatever, whoever I was at that moment, I was leaving her behind because she was no longer serving me and she was in a lot of pain. And I made that announcement, you know, declaration, I guess, at the beginning of the trip that was on Sunday. And then on Wednesday, my birthday was on Thursday. On Wednesday night, there was a sound bath. And so I went to the sound bath and I put this crystal over top of my crown and I laid down and the guy was using metal bowls. I'd never been to a sound bath with metal bowls. And I closed my eyes and literally, it was like I was on an acid trip. Like there was just colors and shapes. Wow. Like on a magic carpet ride. It was so intense. Wait, you put the bowl over your head or? No, I had a crystal at my crown. Oh, good. Right, which gotcha. I think was kind of magnifying everything. And, um, and so I just was on this magic carpet ride. And at the end, uh, when I was gathering my stuff, I was like, it was like I was wasted. I just was staggering around trying to pick everything out and get out of there. And um, I put my yoga mat back and I walked back to my little hut and um, I got to my room and my roommate's like, where have you been? And I said, I went to that sound bath I was telling you about. She goes, oh, you look so different. And I was like, oh, interesting. And then the next morning I went to yoga because it was a yoga retreat and everybody was telling me how much different I looked. And then I realized I felt really different. I felt lighter. And then I, um, the crystal that I'd had at my crown, I lost. And then I remembered that I had found that crystal. I bought that crystal a year earlier on my birthday in Joshua Tree. And it was an celestial quartz, which is all about allowing you to uh, expand and who you are to become in, a, in whatever gentle way that your energies can accept it. And I had lost that crystal. Um, like a couple months after I bought it. And then I found it just a couple months before I left. And so I brought it with me. And then my declaration was to leave my lower self there. 
And so I lost that crystal. So all I can think is that I downloaded myself into that crystal and, um, and left it there, whoever was to find it for their own transformation. And so then that kind of started. It was at that point that I was, I really, my higher self came in and really replaced the voice in my head. And I started to realize that I could, um, I had some, some sort of weird powers. I wasn't sure what they were, but I could tap into other consciousness. And I started hearing like plants and, you know, all kinds of consciousness talking to me. And then um, my dad got sick. He had cancer. And um, I heard somewhere you could talk, your higher self could talk to another person's higher self. And I wasn't really understanding. I don't, he wasn't being honest with what was happening with him. And so I tapped into that and started communicating with him that way and found out what was happening and actually helped him through his recovery to find, regain his sole purpose so that he could come back to living because he almost died there for a while, but he's doing really good now. So he wasn't was telling you that he had cancer and you found out by talking to his higher self? Well, no, I knew he had cancer, but he oh. wasn't doing well. Like I could tell on the phone from his energy that he wasn't yeah. doing well, and, but he was saying that he was fine. You know how men are. They're like, oh, yeah. I'm fine. It'll be fine. And I'm it's just okay. like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> And then when I talked to his higher self, his higher self was, I'm just really tired and I just don't mm. want to do this anymore. This is just hard. And then when I thought he was going to die, I tapped in because you're not supposed to talk to people's higher selves without the permission, but yeah. unless they're dying or something like that. So then when I thought he was dying, I tapped in again and um, he told me that he um, really, he really didn't have a reason to live. You know, he was just really tired and, and he wasn't sure that it was worth it, the whole thing. And so then I started on this um, to save him. Um, my sister was there physically helping him. And I, every morning I um, sat with him and uh, coached him, basically. I had a journal that I basically channeled, you know, my higher self to his higher self. I would ask him questions. I created an altar, the whole thing. And then about, and that lasted about six weeks. And then we just stopped having things to talk about. He really had come to a place where he realized what his purpose was. Mm -hmm. And we agreed that that was the end of our work together. And he's been doing great ever since. Wow. That's awesome. What's he, what's he up to now? Well, we just moved him and my mom into a senior home, but he's not very happy about it. <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, I've been to, I used to go to those a lot actually here in uh, Arizona. There's a bunch of them. This is the retiree capital of the world, believe it or not, is uh, Phoenix. Sun City, right. actually, technically it would be Sun City, but I believe it. Yeah, I used to go there and teach uh, dance classes to the retirees at the communities there. And man, I'll tell you, it's, it's crazy, especially I think for the men, it's the women tend to keep themselves active and purposeful. You know, wasn't there, I think there's a lot of long, uh, longevity research on, you know, the, the top two most important things for living a long life, like physically, is not diet and exercise. It's having purpose in your life and having social connections. And so you see, you know, some of these, uh, especially the men, I think, especially because once they retire, they, the, the sense of purpose disappears in the sense that we define as a man, you know, you kind of define your purpose by your work. 
you know, we're, we're a little more antisocial, you know, women are, I think in general, obviously I'm speaking generalities, but women tend to be more social, <clears throat> more group oriented, you know, that kind of thing. And when men stop working, you see a lot. I mean, I remember used to seeing a lot of guys there in their seventies, they were just kind of gone, you know, whereas the women, you know, they're like 80, 90, they're <laughs> dancing around and having fun doing yoga, playing tennis and, you know, and doing all that stuff. And it's like, man, you know, it's just, it's crazy how rapidly those things uh, decline when the sense of purpose isn't there, you know? Yeah, that was a big thing for him. And it was, I was really angry at him for a while because he just stopped learning. Like that was one of his core values was education. And after he retired, he picked up golf and he threw himself into that to learn how to do it. And then after that, he didn't really learn anything else. You know, he just kind of stopped. And I really think that growing personally and um, spiritually, mentally, is just so important. When you stop growing, you, you die. Yeah. Now, that's such an important thing because I think that there's also an underlying sort of belief system as well, you know, because you brought up something very uh, significant when, when you mentioned your uh, dad's battle with cancer and sort of this um, hidden, you know, you talk to the higher self and, and you kind of feel what's going on. Like, like, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. And, and a lot of people that have, uh, I mean, I've read a lot of like stuff, you know, where animals, they can sense somebody's about to die and that kind of thing. And basically the, the whole gist of that is there's sort of this internal belief that that sort of changes right which is like yeah you know i'm i'm done you know i don't want to i don't be here anymore and so i think that that belief is what kills you first right i mean you basically lose a sense of direction and purpose and then you start dying <laughs> right i mean it sounds terrible but uh you know you you start dying and you die inside and then the, the outside follows so how do you deal with somebody and i think it's it's more important than ever now, especially, you know, even people that are retired, how do you, how do you deal with that? I mean, how do you deal with somebody basically saying, okay, I have no purpose, you know, there is nothing for me to do. So how do you deal with that? I'm going to ask a lot of questions because people that don't feel like they have a purpose, they've stopped asking questions. You know, they Mm. stop being curious. Curiosity is really what feeds inspiration. It's what feeds us in our purpose. So when you stop asking questions, that's when you, um, you know, you have to really ask questions and you have to remind people too what they have in their life, what they've accomplished in their life so that they remember, because we take for granted, we see our life in such a microcosm, you know, just in the, in the, even though we're mostly focused in the future or the past, and we're not in the present, we don't really see all that we have in the present to be proud of, to be thankful for. And gratitude is also huge. I know that when you start really taking things for granted and you stop being grateful for all the moments that we have that, that make us human, then what is there to live for, right? Yeah. That's so important. I just, that's funny. I just had an interview with somebody about Gratitude. That was the topic. Was just gratitude and how it's so easy to get desensitized. You know, we uh, when you eat something, let's say that you like, you know, like I love dark chocolate, but you know, after the first bite, 
that's great. But then after five, six, seven, eight bites, you know, you're like, eh, all right, <laughs> I'm, I'm over it, you know? And it's just, that's just an inherent part of life is to get desensitized. So I think the, the answer to that is to uh, continually bring that presence and mindfulness, you know, and intention. I love that you said curiosity though, you know, curiosity. So that's a virtue for me. That's very valuable. I value curiosity very highly. And I think if you can cultivate curiosity in life, that's just one of the keys to success because it will always keep life interesting. I mean, there's always, you know, there's always a different moment we're living in always. It's just always a different moment. And when you really wrap your head around that, it's impossible to get bored, you know, but we, we kind of get uh, caught up in, like you said, the, we're always, you know, somewhere else <laughs> present future, well, not the present, but future or past. And we forget to be curious because we get stuck in, stuck in those states. We forget to ask questions and pay attention and say, oh, that's interesting. You know, so. Well, we stop feeling, you know, we label yeah. things. We label it, you know, oh, I'm grateful for that. I've labeled it as that I'm grateful, but I'm not feeling the gratitude. Or I've labeled the chocolate as delicious, but I'm not really feeling the deliciousness that it is. I'm not taking that food in and rolling it around in my my mouth so I can really have this full experience, you know, sensing it, you know, having a full experience is sensing with all five senses, touching it, smelling it, putting it into your mouth and really tasting it and taking a moment to roll that around in your mouth and experience it instead of just, you know, a couple bites and then you, you know, a couple of chews and then you swallow and onto the next bite. That's so important. How do you cultivate that? I mean, how do you train somebody? Because I think that's such a timeless skill and it's something that's always, um, you know, you're never going to master it. You're just going to get better and better at it. But how do you cultivate that? How do you teach people to do that? Really, it's consciousness and awareness. You know, I think that one of the things I've done classes on awareness because we're so unaware Mm. of of so many things, the power of awareness will bring you into the present moment. Because so often we do stuff and we, we're running around, we're doing two or th- I do this too, and it's something I'm really working on right in this moment, is to be conscious and present in the moment so that I'm aware of what I'm doing so that like I don't go five or 10 minutes and like, hmm, did I take my vitamins this morning? I don't remember because I was doing, I wasn't there when I was, doing it. You know, it was somewhere else. Yeah. And that's so weird. Like that, that just blows me away. Like sometimes when you're even driving, right. And you're, you know, you literally like blink and you're like, Oh, I'm 20 miles, you know, (laughs) into my trip somewhere. Like where the hell did that time go? Like I was totally, you know, just not there. I literally just like transported from one minute to another, you know, it's just so weird. Such a weird, such a weird thing how we get ahead of ourselves. Yeah, it is. And it's, it's a mindfulness practice to really be in the, in the present moment, in the now moment, is one of my teachers calls it. What's been, what's been one of the things that's helped you the most in the last couple of years with sort of, I guess, building that ability to be present? You know, it's such a good skill, such an important skill. Well, I think the number one thing is learning that uh, everything is a practice, 
Mm. And, you know, and they call it practice because you really never become an expert. You know, it's a meditation practice. You're practicing every single day when you close your eyes and, and sit in silence. You're practicing every day when you're trying to be present in the moment. You know, it's not something that you're, I don't want to say no one's ever mastered it. I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that um, John Kabat-Zinn, I'm sure he's very mindful about every moment of his day, but yeah, most of us normal humans, <laughs> we really have to consciously be mindful and, and just remind ourselves of where we are and whatever, and that we're in this now moment. Well, and it's the challenge that I, that I had struggle with and I am hundred percent with you. I love that you said the practice. That's like the best, the best answer ever. And it really is a practice. And the, the challenge that I have is that, you know, you, you have some of these historical figures you can look up to, but the challenge is doing it in society, you know, where you have, let's say a business, you know, this is like for a perfect example where you have sort of, you know, business is very much, to be successful at business, this is not the only thing, but one of the things, there's two halves to everything, obviously, right? And one of the halves is engaging your intellect, you know, engaging your mind and, and sort of creating systems and creating, you know, to-do lists and getting things done and following up and all the crap that we have to do. And so that inherently, that's just the kind of work that takes you out of the present moment. Even when you're creating and you're, you know, whatever, thinking of your vision and all these things that we like to, to talk about, you're still out of the present moment. And so when you have all these commitments, it inherently pulls at you, you know? And then of course you also have a very important element, which is the authenticity and presence and uh, not burning out, respecting your body, you know, using boundaries, all these, that whole other half of it. And so that to me is the dance. It's the challenge is how to integrate that. Um, especially, you know, if you have a business, which is a full-time, full-time <laughs> job, right? <laughs> Well, I've really been um, trying to, part of what I really teach my, my people is about being in your heart. And one of, the, one of the things that I've been just evangelizing the past year is really about energy and how energy is everything and how the energy on the planet is shifting. And so it's really, really important that we shift as well. And that as it becomes, um, as we shift from, we're really moving from a society of thinkers into a society of feelers. You know, if you're going to be successful in this new mm. earth energy, it's important to move from your head into your heart because the energy of pushing and forcing and driving and trying to think your way through things really isn't no longer supported by the new earth energies. Mm. New earth energy is about feeling and allowing and attracting and really moving into all of what Abraham Hicks, you know, has been talking about for years and years and years. We're moving into a time where we can literally manifest things 10 times faster than ever before because the energies are, because we're feeling more and the energies are really tapped into our feelings. That's no, I, I agree with that. I think that there's a new economy. I think there's a new system that's coming and this whole, sort of pyramid scheme, basically, which is what it was, is where everybody's just working, working, working. The guys next to you is working, working, working. Everybody's trying to push, push, push to get to that finish line. I think that that is an old mentality that's going to die off. And so really uh, what will matter 
You know, it's so interesting. This comes to my mind right now for some weird reason, but I'm sure it ties in somehow. Have you ever read Journey of Souls? No, by, I've uh, heard of it. God, I forget his name. Who's right the now. author? Journey of Souls. I don't remember the author. I could probably look it up. Well, is but that the Journey of Souls is by this? Is it where he, he it talks what? about the time in between lives? Is that the book? Yeah, it's this hypnotist guy who basically hypnotized, I don't know how many people, like 80 people. And he sort of documented his experience in hypnotizing people about the afterlife. And he wasn't like a religious person. He just, I think he somehow stumbled upon one person when he hypnotized them that way. And then he's like, huh, that's interesting. And so he kind of just did this. And anyway, long story short, he published this book, which is just fascinating about these people's collective sort of story about the afterlife and how there's this school and, you know, it was all very similar. Everybody had the same relatively kind of the same idea of this place and, you know, whatever the afterlife is supposed to be. But in this place, one common theme that was very interesting to me, just from a, an existence perspective is that everybody could read each other's thoughts and so there were no secrets in that sense. And so ultimately, if you think, I'm like, that's really interesting because what if that were the case? What if we were in a completely like heart driven society where, you know, you don't have to cover anything up. So then all that really matters is, you know, are you true to yourself, right? If you're authentic and really um, true to yourself and that's all that really matters. And it seems like our society is moving to sort of express that you know, in the, in the coming years and generations, we're moving to where it's less about putting on these masks and trying to compete and more about, okay, like, what do I really want? And what do I want to share with the world? And okay, let me try to find that, you know, it's more looking within rather than looking outside and, and sort of comparing and measuring. So I don't know what mm -hmm. you think about all that. Yeah, I actually did read that book. I have a spiritual book club. And it was one of the books we read last year. It's been a long time since we read it, but that was really cool. But I think that we were already yeah. at that place because we can't maybe read each other's thoughts, but we can feel each other's energy. And I remember uh, yeah. a couple of years ago on my birthday, I every year on my birthday, I told you I like to go away somewhere. And I uh, booked a place in Palm Desert with my girlfriends. And I had just, I just become sober like the month before. And I, to me, birthdays and celebrations were all about food and drinking. And I couldn't, I wasn't drinking and I was having some digestive issues. So I wasn't really eating much and I was feeling really down about my birthday. But I also just felt really like there was this cloud over me. And I thought, well, I'm just going to go. I'm going to make the best of it. I'm sure it'll be great. I'm going to be with all people that I love, people that love me. And one by one, my girlfriends all made a comment to me over the long weekend. Are you okay? What's going on with you? And not, this was nothing that I said. It was just my energy was really, really heavy. And I was consciously mm -hmm. trying to be, you know, the present and put a good face forward and be cheerful. But everyone saw right through that. So I think that even though they couldn't read my mind, they could feel that I was off. Some, something wasn't 100% with me. Hmm. So I think we have that. I wonder, I wonder what it would have been like if it was a group of guys. <laughs> 
like if I was with my guy friends, I'm trying to think if that would ever happen. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Women tend to be, I think they're more in tune with their emotions with each other than, than guys are. But, you know, that's changing too. I mean. It really is. I think more and more men are really tapping into their intuition and that, um, you know, that more feelings than ever before. Look at you. You're well, a man. that's probably, you know, you seem to be, you know, you're <laughs> talking all about transformation. So I'm in tune with my feminine side, I guess, right? Awesome. <laughs> well, it's it's all the dancing. That's that's what it was. It was all the dancing. You know, my dad is a he's a hardcore like mechanic. I mean, he's one of the best mechanics in the country and just you know, used to ride motorcycles when he was young and do boxing and you know, totally macho guy. And I ended up playing the piano, dancing, writing, you know, <laughs> my mom wanted a girl. So instead she got a really artsy fartsy guy. So there you go. That's yeah. awesome. Do you still dance? You know, uh, it's just been crazy with, with the whole coronavirus thing, obviously. So, um, you know, I, I still teach here now and then I have some local students that, uh, still want to take some dance lessons, but I haven't really competed. I've gone out social dancing but even that, I mean, there's not been that many events. And if they do have events, people wear masks. And I'm just, I'm not going to wear a mask and dance my ass off for two, three hours. And things with the stupid. So, uh, you know, it's just, I'm like, all right, you know, let me use this time right now. For me, it's very much following, you know, learning to follow, right? Life is a dance. That's, that's my whole thing. And, and learning to follow and align with what is has been a huge lesson in my life. And so for me in this whole period that's been going on, you know, talk about pushing and stuff like that, like it doesn't make sense for me to keep going. And there's a lot of artists actually, and a lot of people really, I mean, I'm picking artists specifically, but a lot of people in my industry who felt the same way, you know, with everything that came to a halt, it was like, okay, you know, what do I want to do with my life? You know, I'm sure a lot of people ask themselves that with everything that's happened, you know, what do I want to do with my life? And, uh, you know, it's okay to sacrifice. And you can tell me about this too, especially with, you know, you work with a lot of people that are entrepreneurs. I mean, ultimately when you want something, you have to sacrifice something else. That's just the name of the game, at least for a short period of time. And so if I want to write a book, you know, it's going to mean maybe not going out as much or whatever else, you know? So for me, when all this stuff, you know, hit the fan, it's like, all right, well, you know, it's time to, reposition and, and sort of see where else am I being called? What are some of the things that I've been wanting to do for a while that I didn't have the time because I was doing the other things, you know? So it's, I see it as an opportunity. It's been a great time to really delve within and, and recreate a lot of different things and bring other things out into the world. So it's been great, you know, but yeah, not too much dancing. I mean, it's been, been really silly. I mean, just seeing some of the people in the competitions, they're doing like zoom competitions now where you send in your a recording of your it's so stupid i mean it's just like god and in stupidity really triggers me like it's just a trigger that i i'm constantly working on because there's stupid shit all the time around the world but like when i see you know, like oh send a recording of you <laughs> the screen with three you know zoom videos and everybody's dancing with their masks on i'm just like oh my god it's just i can't i can't do that i can't i'm not a clown i was already a clown for 15 years. I'm not going to be even more of a clown. So yeah, it's just, it was a, it was a message for me to move on and, 
we'll see. You know, I, I have a lot of videos on my website where I created a lot of fun content with dancing and stories and things like that. I want to do that for some of my students. And those, I like those kind of things. I'm a creator at heart. You know, I like creating, but um, competing and, and breaking my back to, to compete. That's just, that was a big lesson for me. And I think a lot of people can relate to that with this particular thing that happened in the last year is like, why am I in this rat race? Why am I competing? Why am I struggling when it's life is too short? You have to be in tune with what you love to do and what you want to do. So anyway, long, long story. <laughs> That's a long winded answer, but yeah. So no, not too much dancing, unfortunately, but that'll change. That'll change. How about yeah. you? Have you ever done any dancing? You know, I used to love to dance and then I had a stroke in um, 2010 and I was paralyzed on the left side for um, wow. a couple months. I, you know, it came back fast. I think for me, I was really, 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 really lucky. But the dancing piece was something that really um, didn't come back because I didn't have my rhythm. And it was frustrating for me because it was such a part of joy. I so you know, just like drinking and eating and dancing. That was like, you know, my joy. Yeah. And I recently, it's been 10 years now. And during my awakening, one of the coaches I was working with challenged me to dance every day to, to just put on some music in my kitchen and wherever in my house and just, just dance, you know, like no one's watching because no one is and start to feel again, you know, feel into my body again. And that was very helpful. I did that for several months. And then recently I uh, found this class, it's called Movement Feedback. And you dance and then the woman, she, it's a thera therapeutic, I guess is the way to call it. Anyway, she, she watches- Yeah, like movement therapy? Yeah, but she's, she's, um, can see your energy. So when you're dancing, you know, she says any way that you, what you do. Anyway, when she can see how you're moving and then she can tell you exactly what you're feeling and what's going on in your body. And then she'll say, mm. oh, just pat here, pat here, move here, move here. Everyone do this. And she'll kind of work you through it so that you use this movement to move through whatever emotions you're having. And through that, I really learned to, um, it's been really helpful for me to let go of that story that I had because I carried that story. You know, we carry trauma around with us as stories, yeah. emotional stories that are in our body, trapped physically in our body. And also there's stories that we've been telling ourselves. Like I had a stroke and I can't dance. You know, that was my story that I just kept telling myself. And every time I tell another person, I'm reinforcing that to myself. Yeah. And so now she's got me letting go of that story. And I actually a couple, was it last week? I think it was last week. Time is moving so fast. I was in one of her classes and I was just dancing. Like my heart was so happy. I was really dancing. My, my, I was connected to the music. And at the end of class, I was crying. And I was like, I just want to tell you, I haven't danced and felt like this in 10 years. So thank you so much. That's wow. such a breakthrough. So. That's really interesting. And that's, I have a friend who does dance therapy and certainly, you know, all the lessons that I used to teach at some point, you realize that there's more to it than just movement, especially when you have that intention. It can be very therapeutic. And we find ourselves in that physical body 
it it gives ground to the mind. I mean, the mind is just this limitless thing, but you can also uh, turn it into a prison because you, it doesn't have physical borders, you know? And so the body is kind of like the canvas that helps to experience these things. That's very interesting. That's, that's very interesting that you brought that up. Yeah. It's, I've always been curious to associate because one thing I've seen too, I mean, like I said, I haven't done too much teaching lately, unfortunately, but when I was teaching, I was teaching quite a lot. And one thing that I saw was that interestingly enough, and maybe I'll write a book about this one day, but people, everybody has, you know, sort of, like you said, the stories that we're working through and sort of a common theme, you know, that we're, that we were trying to resolve in our life and movement wise, it, you know, there's movements that you can tell relate to that common theme, you know, like basically how somebody stands or where they carry their weight, uh, where they carry the attention. You know, I think it's, it's all related. It's so interesting that the body's this is hard drive for, Emotion. Have you ever done emotion code? Like the, uh, the emotion code by. Uh, yeah, I've done it. Oh, I've had a few does. sessions with different therapists. I haven't found it to be really successful for me. I think with all these alternative mm. therapies, my advice to people is just keep trying different ones and see which ones you connect to. Because just because I didn't have a powerful experience doesn't mean that you couldn't, you know, because everybody's different. I think a therapist matters too. I mean, I, I've had Reiki sessions with people that are great and I've had Reiki with people that, you know, weren't so great. So I think the therapist really matters too. Yes. And whether you believe, whether you're open to even believing it will help you. I had a, I don't know if you've heard about this. It's called network spinal analysis or network uh, chiropractic. No. You heard of that? This is such an interesting thing. And I'm so bummed that the only guy in town here in Phoenix, I mean, it's, it's not super like mainstream yet, even though it's been around, I think for like 20 years, but network spinal is sort of like uh it's chiropractic care, but it's very, very different. It's, it's not physical in the sense, like somebody's like twisting your neck and all this stuff. It's these people are very trained chiropractors and they gently sort of touch different points on your body, on your spine and sort of invite you through energy work. I mean, it sounds really woo woo to explain it, but <laughs> it's, it's crazy stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, just to, to your point about believing or not, because one of my friends like wrote me into this in college, he's like, dude, you got to try this, you know, network spinal analysis, whatever. I'm like, okay, that sounds interesting. But I was like, you know, very skeptical of it. And so the first two times I went, I was like, ah, I don't feel anything. You know, he's like tapping my neck with his finger. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for something obvious, you know? And after probably two or three sessions, you know, I, I sort of started just to listen and to relax. And I started feeling this sort of wave in my spine, you know, and I just went with it. And I'm at, by the end of the session, I was like crying, you know, which is, it was just totally bonkers, you know, and uh, it was all energy work. And the guys basically in training your body into moving in a certain way, just in a similar way to the, the therapist that you just described so that you can sort of um, build in these new patterns and self-adjust yourself. Because basically the idea is when you force an adjustment, your body's not the one that's doing it. So, you know, it's just going to go back and, and be unadjusted again. And so by training your mind with these uh, invitations, so to speak, but the guy ended up, he was like 40 and he ended up dying. Uh, you know, literally right when I came back to see him after 10 years, it's like, Hey, is he still there or whatever? We reconnected. And then, <laughs> 
a week later, you know, I get a call from the front desk that he, that he passed away. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. So, yeah. And then, but the thing is they had a replacement for him who was from whatever Sedona. And I'm just like, you know, for this kind of stuff, like it really matters who you connect with because if you have a connection with somebody, I think it'll really help for it to work because if you don't, I don't know. It just, there's a, there's a connection element. I think it's really important with the therapist. Yeah. Well, it's all energy. You know, it's, it's, it's my energy and your energy. I, we have, when you meet someone, you either connect your energies in alignment or it's not. And if it's not, then it can be hard to really form any sort of connection, especially if they're trying to do healing on you because there needs to be a connection there. How long have you been working with Crystal since that time, since that trip in Bali or was it Bali or was it Thailand, Thailand, Thailand? Was it since that trip in Thailand that you started working with crystals or was it sooner than that? No, I work with crystals. They were like my first stop on my spiritual journey. I, um, through a series of divinely led situations, found this teacher when I moved to LA and she was teaching a a class on um, chakras. And I took that class. I I wanted to learn what the chakras were. And then her next class was clearing your chakras with crystals. Mm. And so I took that class and it was probably one of the most powerful classes of my life because we did a, a crystal for every single chakra. And then we would take the lesson. Uh, we would hold that, chakra in our our left hand which is your receiving hand while we were in class taking notes and then you you do a meditation with it you you're setting your intention in that crystal and then you carry that crystal with you all week long and you would sleep with it under your pillow put in your pocket put in your bra whatever just carry it for a week and uh we started at the uh the root and worked our way up and um not so much my lower chakras, but when I got to my upper ones, I was having really powerful experiences every weekend. Like during the week, because the class was on Monday, and then during the week, I would be, um, you know, at work and doing my normal thing. And then Saturday, you know how the weekend comes and you're kind of, I had a corporate job then. And then you just kind of are letting go. Yeah. And so whatever you've been, it's like when you're getting sick, when you're really, really busy and you just are pushing, pushing, pushing. And then you finally, whatever you're working on your projects over and then you get sick because you've been, you know, your general has been going that whole week and then finally you relax. And so your body does whatever it's gonna do. And when I would get to Saturday, I had some powerful experiences. Like when I was doing the heart, where we did the heart and then we did the upper heart And when I got to the upper heart, I remember waking up that Saturday and I just was crying. I couldn't stop crying that day. I cried the whole entire day. And I was really doing everything I could to mask my emotions at that point in my life. I was drinking, I was smoking pot. I was doing all that. I just did all that trying to like, to trying to calm myself down because I was just wham, boo and the whole entire day. And then the next week when we did the throat chakra, which, you know, your throat chakra is from your eyebrows really down. It's your nose, it's your ears, it's the whole thing. My whole sinus is just blocked up. Like I could not breathe. Wow. 
And then when we got to the, um, to the third eye, I, start, I was started tasting metal and I was having these dreams throughout the whole thing where it was a recurring dream that I used to have my whole life uh, where people were chasing me, not like running after me, but strategically like, like in a suspense movie, they were following mm. me from place to place. And finally I confronted them in one of my dreams and um, I never had that dream ever again. And this, so this class just changed my life and I became this crystal lady and a crystal healer. And I have crystals all over my house. I make crystal jewelry. I love crystals. What's, I mean, for people that haven't had really too much experience with crystals or, or using them, especially for very intentional, you know, healing or, or let's say uh, specific outcomes, what, what are some good things to know? Like, what are some things that you can let them know about how to get involved with it, why they should do it, any misconceptions that, uh, that may be cleared away? Yeah, I think the number one thing is people want to, um, they want to know what crystal is good for them. People always ask, mm -hmm. what crystal is good for me? Whatever crystal is you pick, whatever crystal you're attracted to is the crystal that is good for you. I remember when I was started making crystal jewelry and I would go to these bead shows and I'd buy all these crystals and I was very unconscious of it at the time until much later, I was going through a breakup. I had a really devastating heartbreak and I was picking all these green crystals. Everything that I was making was green, all these different shades of green and um, a lot of pre-night, a lot of Labradorite and, um, it was later on that I realized that that's the color of the healing heart is the green. And so by making all this jewelry with these green crystals, I was actually healing my heart, but I didn't know it at the time till later. So whatever you're attracted to is the crystal that you need for your energy and that crystals have vibration just like we do. And they're actually um, the highest vibra vibration on the planet. So they're in the earth and they are um, vibrating and they can uh, create harmony in your life. They can bring their little messengers. They have messages in them. When you get your crystal, I have my crystals right here. First thing you wanna do is hold your crystal just by your heart and just ask, you know, do you have a message for me? What is your message for me? and just listen and see what you feel. You know, it depends on your Claire. You know, I hear, I'm clear audience. So I hear, they talk to me, but you might just know, you might just feel, or you might have a vision, but they all come with a message, some sort of message for you. And you can also sleep with them under your pillow and they help to bring messages in your sleep. Um, they're beautiful to decorate your home with and create, I have crystals all over my house and people always comment and how peaceful and how relaxed they feel when they come here because I think the energy is so harmonious with all the crystals that I have. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I got into crystals very young too. I mean, my, one of my aunts, she's passed away now, but she was really into, you know, all that stuff. And so I got exposed to it from a very young age. And I remember even having like my own quartz and like trying to purify it with like water or something. I don't remember how I <laughs> thought I was purifying it, but you know, there's definitely uh there's a whole process to it. And so, because you can't just, don't you have to like program it 
and sort of clear it and, and get it ready to be used by you? Uh, yes. Well, um, crystals carry their, they are, they carry energy. So you can put your intentions into the crystals and, um, and program them. And then because they're really like, they'll do whatever, they'll help you with whatever you need help with. But, you know, it's just kind of like anything you have to ask for the help. So um, most crystals need to be cleared. It's super easy to clear them. You can run them under cold water. Um, you can, if you live near an ocean, um, you can put them into one of those little uh, mesh bags and put them in the salt water. They love that. Um, you can hold them between your palms and you can just send love from your heart to fill the crystal to clear any negativity, transmute anything negative or dark that's picked, crystals picked up on the way. You can put it in a, uh, a bowl of rice and it will absorb. So there's a lot of ways to, to um, clear them. And then when you're ready to, to program it, I just put, the, put it between your palms, hold it to your heart, and then just envision whatever it is that you want, what you intend. And then once you, what you're trying to manifest or you know what you need help with, and then see it and then feel it, and then just blow into the crystal and put your that puts your energy into the crystal, just like you're blowing out your birthday cake. And then mm -hmm. it's programmed. Have you had any uh, recent stories of anybody who, you know, let's say they got some some of your crystals or the crystal grids, those look interesting. I've never seen that before. And, you know, something drastic changed for them? Anything interesting? Um, yeah, I think that they always support you. I've had, um, when I do my groups or my, or my private clients, I like to send them a crystal and an essential oil to support them on their journey because they're very powerful in transformation, especially... Um, that was when, when I was going through my breakup and I was so sad and just heartbroken and my heart literally ached. Like it, it, it was just, I was in so much pain and I would just take, I had like a handful of rose quartz and I would just place it on my heart and I would just lay down and, and it would just calm my heart down. I could just feel it soothing my heart because I was in so much pain. And, it, and you can put it on, I also, you can put them on any part of your body if you um, need help digesting. There's other stones, crystals that you can use to help in digestion. You can put them on your stomach or your colon um, to calm whatever's happening down or to put more energy in if you need help to break the food down or move things along. You can use crystals for that. You can use crystals to help manifest um, jobs. I make crystal grids. I have, um, I have several around my house. I have one that um, Mother Earth asked me to make. And I went on a crystal dig in uh, September, my first. Oh, actual... that'd be fun. I would love to do that. Oh, it's so cool. This woman, Lori Spagna, she does a crystal retreat every September in Arkansas. And Arkansas is the one of the largest deposits of clear quartz in the world. Really? Arkansas. 
Wow. I know. Who would have thought? I would have have never, never imagined that. (laughs) Yeah. So we went to two mines and you basically just get into these big pits that are like red clay. And then you just start digging. And we think we paid $25 and then whatever you find, you can take with you. And um, I came back with a lot of crystals. That sounds like so much fun. Oh my God, I'm totally doing that. It's really a cool thing to do. People that lived closer drove and some of them brought really big, huge quartz, like boulders home with them, you know, so they could put them around their patio or gardens. You can put uh, white or clear quartz into your plants and they help to put energy. It's like natural fertilizer because they send each other energy. So if you have a plant that feels like it might need a little support, put a crystal in there. Hmm. Um, Yeah, but that was really fun. I went on a crystal dig and then um, it was funny because one of the guys uh, that she had come talk to us, he was a wholesaler and he was clearing, he was older, probably in his seventies. And he was clearing out his collection because he wanted to make room for more. And um, so he was giving these crystals away, like big boxes for here, here's a box, for like $35 I bought. And I think I got like 12 crystals, like beautiful crystals. And there was one in there. And the next day we took it to the class and she taught us how to talk to the crystals. And so I was showing this woman, this crystal that I had bought the night before. It was a, uh, a dark selenite. Selenite's usually white, but it was like a grayish brownish color. And I, would, I took it out of my purse to show it to her and it, it fell on the floor. I felt like it jumped out of my hand. And then I went to pick it up and then we were, we were talking to the crystals and I, I asked, you know, hi, you know, I introduced myself. I'm Michelle. What's your name? Tell me you know, a little bit about you. Kind of like I was meeting a person. I was meeting this crystal. And the crystal said, I don't think we're a good fit. I'm like, what do you mean we're not a good fit? She goes, well, you threw me on the floor. And I'm like, I didn't throw you on the floor. You jumped out of my hand. (laughs) And I'm having this conversation with the crystal. And I'm just laughing because it's so ridiculous. And I had told one of my friends that I would uh, bring her a crystal home. So I ended up trading her this. I gave her that crystal because obviously she didn't want to be mine. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, it's, it's interesting though. I I went to a a retreat that had a similar type of actually an exercise that was like that, where we had to basically, this was several years ago and uh, we were out in nature and we had to go and find a a rock basically and, (laughs) and just speak gibberish to it. It was totally the kind of exercise to get you out of your thinking brain. We just had to literally just speak gibberish to it and then be quiet and listen to its message to us in return. At the time I was like, this is just a bunch of bullshit. Like <laughs> I was so skeptical. Uh, but it was, ended up being a really educating experience, you know, but it was just interesting to, to sit there with a rock and commune, but some of those things, you know, they're ancient things like people like the, you know, tribal people have been in tune with communicating with uh, trees and rocks and things like that for a long time. I mean, it's, I think there's consciousness in everything, right? There's sort of this belief that we are the Kings of the universe and we're the smartest thing on the pyramid of really stupid things, but it's really you know, the other way around. I mean, everything around you is intelligent. I think when you can adopt that idea, your perspective, what's going on here changes. So Yes, everything is consciousness. I think that was a huge lesson for me when I when I learned everything is energy. 
And also when I learned everything is consciousness, that was when, when I really started to, because things were connecting. Everything was connecting to me. Everything was talking to me. Trees were telling me, I'm so sad. Give me a hug. Flower, you know, especially during COVID. There was, when we hunkered down that first, it was like a week, maybe it was a few, I don't remember, but because I was not doing well, like during that time, I went through a huge um, spiritual expansion and um, my guides sent me to bed for like a month. I was in bed for about a month. Wow sleeping and resting and integrating all this energy that I had taken in. And then I finally felt better and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go out. And then they're like, oh, COVID, go back home. <laughs> Everything shut down. Oh, I'm home like, a month already. <laughs> and um, so it was cold. It was winter here in California. And um, I went out, it was the first day I'd gone out in quite a while. And I don't know, but everything seemed like it was in technicolor. And I remember commenting, like I remember thinking, oh, they just painted the curb. How did they do that? Because we're in COVID. Everything just seemed like fresh and new. It was very weird. Hmm. And I was going and I was walking around the neighborhood and, and um, trees started talking to me and plants. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. <laughs> And um, they don't do it as much anymore. But if I stop and listen, they will. But- yeah, it's so it's so important, though. I think is to cultivate that sense of listening and intuition. That's all what this stuff really is: is being able to develop your own ability to have that higher self. You know, instead of the squirrely ego brain that's sort of you know always stuck in analytical mode that we were talking about earlier. And I think that to kind of circle back to one of the things that you do, which is the, uh, you have that group of soul guided entrepreneurs, which I think is, is really cool because ultimately the future is about having soul guided, authentic, heart driven business. I think everything's going to change. I think business models from how they were being done are going to totally change. And so, you know, my question to you is why do you think that that's important to have that, intuitive sense and whether you discover it through crystals or through, you know, alternative therapies or going outside and hugging trees, whatever it is, just cultivating that sense of listening and acknowledging all these timeless principles that have been around forever. Why is that important in business and being financially successful and, you know, let's say creating, you know, great relationships with your clients, all that stuff that we tend to think of as, you know, sort of more material or, you know, left brain type of stuff. Why is all the former important for the latter? Well, one of the things that they're not talking about in mainstream media is the fact that the earth, the the frequent, we're all energy, everything's energy and everything's a frequency. So I'm a frequency, uh, I vibrate at some frequency level, you vibrate at a different, whatever your frequency is. And um, the earth is a frequency as well. And the earth is actually raising in frequency. And then you can go and you can Google uh, the Schumann resonance, resonance, and it measures, have you heard of it? Yeah, yeah, Schumann yeah. resonance. It measures- It's been going crazy the, lately. <laughs> the frequency of the planet. And it's actually used to be around 10 to 15. Now it's up to like 45. Like the, oh, wow. the frequency of the planet is raised dramatically. And- so what that means is that we are shifting into higher frequencies. Our mm-hmm. bodies are changing 
and the way that we interact with changing. That's why so many people now are becoming more intuitive and becoming more conscious because their vibration is raising. You can go also on Google and you can Google emotional frequency scale. And you can see that every emotion has a frequency. And the higher you get up, <clears throat> it starts at the bottom is like shame, guilt, fear, goes all the way up to love, joy, gratitude, enlightenment. And then once you get up to the higher levels, um, of, which is where the earth plane is going, those are the emotions that you want to operate in. So as a business person, you want to be coming from a really authentic, high frequency place, being of service place, because that is what is being supported by the energy of the planet right now, being of service. And the more you serve and the more you give, the more you're in love um, versus fear and lack, the more you will resonate with all the other beings on the planet. So I actually did a, <clears throat> a podcast with for real estate agents. And I was talking about how important it is now to really be conscious in your business and, and of creating a service-based business and also attracting your clients, doing what you need to do to attract, uh, to attract them and not to think that you're gonna be able to drive and force and make things happen. It's really about attracting and allowing and surrendering and calling in. And I teach my, uh, my clients to call in the energies and the business that they want. Because as a soul-guided entrepreneur and a spiritual business coach, you do, do business in a different way. Like I, you know, every morning I start out my day with a, an energy practice, meditation, I, when I do my, when I get going to my office, I have a ritual that I do where I call in all my guides. I work with them all day long. I channel my direction from them. I channel all my writing from them. They guide me on how to work each day. And by using my soul team as my guide, they can guide me to where I need to be and how I can be of service that day. And you can't do that from your brain. You have to do that from from another higher dimension. That's so important. No, I completely agree. And it's, it's really cool to see that that's becoming, I've had a lot of conversations about this particular topic actually in the last several months with people that I've interviewed and, you know, definitely there's a global awareness shift in this direction. People are realizing the value of, of balance ultimately is you have to have both sides, right? You have to have the intuitive side uh, which is now becoming very important before it wasn't. And you also have to have sort of this side where you're building systems and following through and all that stuff. And I'm curious in your experience, usually, I mean, usually people who are really into crystals and all this kind of stuff, they struggle with, with the systems and the business and stuff. I mean, let's be honest. Most of those people are very creative types. And so uh, how did you, you know, find out all of these principles through business? How did you embrace entrepreneurship? How did that journey manifest in your own journey parallel to the, I guess, experience of, you know, all the other things you were doing with crystals and energy healing and sort of spiritual awakening? How did you learn about business? 
Well, I'm a, really a professional salesperson. I've been mm. in sales since I was, I guess I had my first job at 15 and worked in retail sales all the way through college and even after college. And then I finally was like, I'm not going to stand in a mall anymore. I'm going to go out, find some clients. I can That's rough. Yeah. Sales <laughs> is rough. <laughs> so standing here waiting for people to come by. And so uh, being a professional sales, I was in telecommunication sales for 25 years. And um, before I left that, um, that career. So I have that business background. I, I was a, but unlike most creatives, because I, I grew up, I was a very creative child, but my parents always told me that, you know, I couldn't really make a, a living as a creative, that I had to get a real job. And yeah. so long story short, I ended up in business school and um, I did end up having a long and lucrative sales career and learned about business. And then as I, as as I, I guess it was probably in my 40s when I really, my creativity started to really, I could feel like this big black hole in my heart where my creativity was. Like it had been ignored for so long. It wasn't going to be ignored any longer. And it started to come out and wanted to be heard. And it was very loud. And so I get that. So now I get to do all this creative stuff and stuff that I love and, and the background that I have, my corporate sales career, gives me the business, um, not so much strategies because everything's online now, but- Foundation, business, yeah, I mean. You know, because really, you know, I can, I can know how to sell. I know how to prospect. One of my gifts too is how to connect with people. That is something that creatives sometimes have a hard time doing. Because they're shy. A lot of them are really shy and suffer from a lot of anxiety, I've found. Yeah. And I think it's, especially with sales, it's an interesting conversation because especially if you're very creative, the sales, you know, sales is such an interesting process in and of itself because really, you know, when you're doing a good job, it's just selling itself, right? I mean, you've created the rapport and you've created the trust and uh, it takes very little effort to sell if you've done the right preparation. And so, but that requires sort of knowledge of all this other stuff that we're talking about, which is communication, building relationships, the feminine, I, I call it the feminine, which is the the softness, you know, and learning to close is important too, but that's not everything. And so it's it's an interesting dance. And I'm I'm curious in your group, what have you found the the thing that people struggle with most when it comes to, I guess, creating a business that's driven from the soul, driven from the heart, what's been some of the biggest obstacles for people? The biggest one is just belief that they can make something, mm. you know, that they can really have a lucrative business doing something that they love because in our society that has not been honored or really, you know, we've been told since we were children that that's not the way you make a living. How many artists, beautiful artists were told that they'll never amount to anything because you can't make a living as an artist. Some of the most famous artists that you know, you know, Picasso, wow. I think Van Gogh went crazy, ended up cutting off his ear. He didn't really achieve his great success until after he passed, unfortunately, but artists have not been valued in our society for a really long time. So really it's the limiting beliefs 
that they can actually have what they want by doing what they love. That is the biggest thing to overcome. And then being, and then charging what they're worth because you know, you really, you, you want to, it's hard. I even know when I was making my jewelry, I never really charged a lot of money for my jewelry because to me, it was a labor of love. I love doing it. And I wanted everybody to have, I wanted it to be affordable. I wanted people to be able to have a piece. And so it's really getting people to overcome their limiting beliefs, start to step into the realm of unlimited possibilities and believe that they can have this. I just had an event on Saturday where uh, one of my gifts is walking people through guided visualizations so that they can really see what it is that they're creating or what it is that their soul is trying to share with them. And uh, it was really powerful. Some of the people were talking about when I, when I took them through these different steps, what they were able to see and what came through for them that they weren't aware of, you know, that I love doing that. I didn't know that I loved it more than my, my own child. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that I felt so strongly about this. I just knew to me, it was just like a hobby. I didn't know that I felt this way until they really, it comes up. So I have also a gift of helping people to connect to their soul, to get that inner guidance that they don't really aren't getting on their own or aren't trusting on their own. Hmm. That's so important. I think self-doubt is something that we all struggle with. I mean, that's been, I think in my own journey, the, the theme of my life is just kind of learning to believe and believe in yourself, charging what you're worth. I mean, that's, I think the story of every entrepreneur's life, you know, just like you said, we, we get into it because we, we want to create something, you know, entrepreneurism to me is very much a spiritual journey. I think if you embark on entrepreneurism, um, whether you want to or not, it's going to be a spiritual journey because to bring what is important to you to the world and share it will bring out all of the struggles that you need to work on to be able to do that. And that is a spiritual journey. It's not a business journey. It's not a financial journey. All those things are props uh, for the underlying theme. That's what I believe, which is a spiritual journey. So I think to me, entrepreneurism is, is the ultimate expression of our path here, right? We all are here to serve and, and, and that's the highest calling. We evolve to that. And once you're there, it just seems like entrepreneurism is the natural extension to some degree of, of that journey. Yes, it really, really, really is. And we're moving in that direction now. I was, it was, it was funny because my mom and I were talking the other day and she said, um, everything's just falling apart. She goes, what we, <laughs> you know, everything that we knew for years and years and years is all falling apart. And we might as well just scrap it all and start all over again. And I said, mom, that's, you're so brilliant. You don't even know it, what you just said. That's what's happening. We're moving from an environment, a society where we've been relying on others to provide us jobs, to provide us with insurance, you know, for our health, for, you know, disability, for all the government to step in and help us. Yeah. We're looking for help all, all outside of ourselves. And now we're moving into a time where we need, where we're looking within to provide for ourselves mm. and we're moving more to local communities. I think you're going to see a huge movement there, even though we're a global community, you'll see that people locally will start to step up and create smaller communities of like-minded people to, um, to really build heaven on earth. 
That's where that's where I see where we're going. Yeah, no, hundred percent. It, it's uh, it's such a blessing to be alive right now in this golden age. Really, I mean, it's it's crazy. You know, it's crazy to think about. It. I mean, I <laughs> I grew up in the '90s, and you know, the world was a very different time at that time, '80s and '90s. And you think back, like, wow, you know, we're the world we're in now and where we're going, like just the thing in the next five, 10 years, 15 years, I mean, space travel, anti-aging technologies, you know, just, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was a Star Trek fan, so I'm really excited. I'm really excited for where now we're Now you're going. living in Star Trek. I know. Fun. They still don't have food replicators though. That's, you know, that's what I'm waiting for is the food replicators. Just have one right in my room. Whenever I want like a fruit tart or something really yummy, just, all right, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> that would be awesome. We'll invent one. Well, they have, <laughs> you know, they're printing food now, which is kind of almost there, I guess. They, I just read an article about a, they, they have these, it doesn't sound appealing, but, you know, for people that have, um, you know, like trouble eating, it was some, it was some sort of, you know, cancer or something like that where they're having trouble eating the paste or, you know, they basically have these printers that have pastes of different types of foods and they print them in different shapes, you know, like a hexagonal shape for cucumbers or something. And so, I don't know. I mean, it's just definitely a far way off from teleporting food in perfect shape, but it's interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like, what world are we living in right now? You know, it's like, you see these Boston dynamics dogs, you know, the, I don't know if you've seen those at all, but. No, what's that? Uh, Boston Dynamics is a big robotics company and they do a lot of crazy stuff, but they always release these little videos of their robots and kind of like where they're at, you know, like when the process and uh, they're just freaky, just look them up. They're just, it's just freaky. I mean, it's just, that's all I can say. It's just freaky. Like these dogs that are basically robot dogs, but they scanning doors and opening them with like a claw over their head. And now they're, I think they just, I just read an article. They just sold one. Uh, to uh, some police department. I don't know if it was New York or somewhere. And so now the police is using them like, man, this is like RoboCop. You know, this is some crazy stuff going on right now. <laughs> like just what world are we in? I don't know. It's weird. New but, world, for sure. Yeah, new world. Well, anything exciting coming up for you? That's uh, any events that you're doing? Any online, I mean, online events right now, I guess is the thing. Yeah, I, I am. I'm actually, uh, I have a five-day workshop coming up. I'm not sure when this will air, but it's coming up and it's all about how to create the foundation for your soul guided business. Because so many people have great ideas, but they just don't know what to do with it. Now that I know what, I, what my purpose is, what do I do from here? Yeah. So that's how I really can help you is to come in and figure out how to monetize that and get paid to do it. And then I also work with all my clients on connecting to their inner guidance and to their soul team so that they can actually have a soul guided business. So that when you are channeling everything through the divine and they're guiding you on your business, then you're doing everything in divine time. You're reaching out to the right people at the right time with the right information. And it can really catapult your business to the next level. That's coming up. I'm going to uh, having some retreats this year. Yeah, plan nice. yeah, but those are coming up. So we'll see how this year plays out. A lot of fun things happening. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to get back into doing events. I had a retreat that I started with my friend literally the year before COVID. And then, you know, it was, it was a smaller event, but it was really fun. And obviously when the COVID hit, it was just like, all right, well, 
there goes that idea for, for this year, at least, you know, so I'm, I'd be excited to start getting back into that. Yeah. Well, what for are now, you most, Oh, go ahead. They can find, my, find me in my Facebook group, which is soul guided entrepreneurs. And I do a lot of free content there and I run a lot of classes and workshops out of there as well. Yeah. Facebook has like those, uh, what do they call them? Like units or something or something you can do in a group. Yeah. They, they changed the name now to guides. Guides. Okay. But yeah. So I have guides for all kinds of different things. I just did a 33 day, um, how to raise your vibration and, uh, different ways to movement through, uh, different energy techniques. It's really powerful. By the third week, I was manifesting like crazy. Like there was one day where I'm like, I have to write everything down because I had like 18 things that just came to me, you know, the right person at the right time. I, like I had like a four or five night hotel stay. I free hotel stay at one. Wow. All this stuff started coming. So just got to get that vibration up. Next thing you know, you're just a magnet. <laughs> That's what it's all about. <laughs> well, what are you most grateful for today, Michelle? I'm grateful for the opportunity to meet you. To share my story with all the people out there that I know need to, a little bit of inspiration. Because right now is a tough time for some people. And it doesn't need to be. You can choose to make it the best time of your life because people right now around the world are having the best year of their life and it can be the best year of life, your life too. All right, all right. Well, I hope you enjoyed my interview with Michelle you know, if anything, this last year has opened up a lot of new directions for everybody. And I'm sure you can relate to that statement, whatever it means to you. But it's been crazy. And in the craziness, we can find the inspiration and opportunity to change. I mean, ultimately, the creative process is messy. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know, every time it's crazy, it's a great reminder that things are actually moving in your life. And another great reminder from movement in general, is that stillness allows you to change direction. And this is very important. You always have the ability to change. And that's one of my hopes for this interview. I hope you really enjoyed, but I also hope that you remembered your own ability to change and to reposition, to connect to your true self. A lot of stuff in this interview, a lot of great things. If you want to stay connected with Michelle or her Facebook group for Soul Guided Entrepreneurs, Check her out at Soul Guided Entrepreneur. That's on Facebook. Just look up the group name. I'll put it on the show notes for this episode. That's 239. But a lot of great things in this interview. A lot of great reminders about intuition, living your life from an authentic space, and getting ready. You know, we're in the age of Aquarius. A lot of things are have changed, and they will continue to change in a great way. It's very exciting. So I hope that this episode has helped you Stay back on track, get back on track and reposition, realign, whatever that means to you today. Don't forget, classic quote by Gandhi, be the change you wish to see in the world. That was our grounding quote for today. You know, it's often overdone, this quote. Everybody's said it at one point or another. I think I remember it painted on one wall when I went to a yoga class. And it's like, oh, here we go again. But really, you know, it's it's such a great quote. It really is. It's It's such a simple way to look at the world. 
change is all around you, but you too are also a force for change. And this is so important because in the face of all this change that's happening, we we sort of lose or forget that awareness. You know, if we forget that we have the ability to change, we sort of just become victims to the change, right? But you can't forget your own ability to embody that force and to become the change you want. So this is very important. So when you remember that, you can find a little more freedom. And I'll leave it at that. Thanks so much for listening as always. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. We'll see you on Tuesday for a little Transformation Tuesday. Don't forget until then that your life is a dance. So go out there and dance it well. For more inspiration, free resources, and bonus content, stay connected at danceoflife.com.